Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. So now I invite you to settle in and let's find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are and let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together here is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, so let's get started. This week's teaching theme is called Return of the Warmth, Spiritual Lessons from the Spring Equinox. Okay, this is so exciting because spring is upon us. It will be here on March 20th. So this felt like a, a timely event to talk about the Spring Equinox this week and the spiritual wisdom behind it. So this is especially important. This is an invitation for all of you beloveds who are like me, who are unchurched, who are on the spiritual but not religious path, or who consider themselves uh, just wanting to explore spirituality outside of any kind of religious tradition, or you're healing from religious trauma and you're looking for spiritual practices that you can do. So that's what this week is about. So a lot of times, these the things that we're going to be talking about today have often been labeled pagan worship and for many of us anything that was labeled pagan was seen as bad now the definition of pagan in its purest form simply means a person who holds a belief or a religious belief other than those of main world religions that's it that's all the purest definition of a pagan is. So to that end, I guess I'm a pagan. And no t doubt many of you listening are as well. Because I not only hold to my Christian beliefs, my Christian faith, I am spiritual but not religious. So that means I am unchurched. I'm also an ordained interfaith, interspiritual minister, which means I invite many of the world religions to my table of spirituality, as well as those of us who find spirituality outside of religion. So, someone out there labels me a pagan. I guess I wear it proudly. But what has happened over the years is that the word pagan has been associated with dark or black magic. And can we just press pause here for a minute and talk about those terms? Because our indoctrination into fear-based thinking around words, it just never stops. Whether they're saying light or white magic or dark or black magic, you know over the years that those kinds of words and their meanings have impacted the way we view black skin versus white skin. And none of that is an accident. It is all by design. So for many of us indoctrinated into religion, we were most likely taught that any type of ritual, pagan worship was, was evil, anything like that it originated from the devil. So you can see how that can also translate into prejudices and biases against people. Now I, I always just park that there because as I say often in my teachings is that sacred activism can't be too far away from your spirituality. It just can't. The way we show up in this world and how we work collectively to make this a better place for all of humanity should be part of our spiritual growth. So just be thankful, just be mindful of that when you use words in a negative way. So sometimes I would often hear things like, mm, be careful with no foundation on what that meant. So if I was exploring something about uh, a religion that wasn't part of my Christian heritage, that would be the warning that I would get all the time. As a matter of fact, someone just commented on one of my videos last week, be careful. And that 
spiraled me back to my religious heritage and people just giving those dire warnings as if I'm getting ready to go down a dark hole of, of evil when it is absolutely not the case. So, that, and I say that with all due respect, but here's the thing that, that I think that will appeal to, to most of our followers. Pagan rituals are carried in our DNA. They are the story of our ancestors. They are the song of our lives. They're the ways of our people. So it calls to us. People are often confused by why they are obsessed about learning about something or wanting to visit somewhere. And when they find out that that's exactly where their ancestors are from or, or something about their heritage that they knew nothing about that called to them. I know I did that uh, several years ago when I was in my spiritual wilderness time. I was obsessed with British history. I could not get enough about it. I was attending seminars and reading all kinds of books. I had this graph out of all the different houses and to understand how the kings and queens were all related and connected because there was a lot of that back then. And Finally, when I realized that, first of all, I have a, a, a strong British heritage from my grandmother's side of the family, but also the, its connection to religion. When I got to the point where King Henry VIII had started his own church to, to divorce his wife, something really awoke for me that that is exactly what, in a lot of cases, religion is. It becomes something to do with more about political influence and power than it is about spirituality. So back to paganism and back to what I call earth, what are called earth-based traditions. This is about our connection to the earth. This is about how we respect and revere the universe and all of creation because our our ancestors understood this and pagan traditions do as well. So don't worry, we're not getting ready to go out and start circling around trees or anything, even though I think that's a beautiful experience. I, I know people who do that. These are going to be very simple things that I'm, I'm inviting you to do that you can do right at your home anytime, anytime you want to. But the reason why we want to do this is because the earth's seasonal cycles teach us if we are open to the wisdom. So here we are, we're getting ready to go into the spring equinox, and this is the time of planting. That, which then becomes the budding phase, which then becomes the blooming, which then becomes the harvest phase, and then resting again. That is a powerful metaphor for our own lives. So for this week, we're talking about the spring or vernal equinox. And maybe as a child or even now, you just say, oh, it's the first day of spring without giving it any thought. It's just another day in the calendar. But the, the word, the Latin word actually means equal night. So in other words, it means that the daylight and the nighttime are equal on those days. We get, we, it occurs twice a year here in the northern hemisphere. We get, well, it's, it's actually both on the southern and the northern. It just, it's, it, it's flipped depending on which part of the world you're in. So for us here in the northern hemisphere, we're coming up on the spring equinox so that the days start to get longer. In the fall, our days start to get shorter. So the autumn or the fall equinox signals that it's time now that the daylight will start to get to get shorter. So what I found here, I wanted to do some research on the kind of wisdom that's out there regarding the uh, spring equinox. So I went to the poets. I just love poetry. I love sacred writings. So I wanted to see what was what was out there. And here's the first uh, poem that I found. Just It's real quick and easy. Because the bird's song might be pretty, 
but it's not for you they sing. And if you think my winter is too cold, you don't deserve my spring. Do you get the wisdom there? Sometimes we'll step outside and say, oh, like the birds are singing to us. The birds are going to sing whether we're there or not. And if we've complained about the cold, then how are we going to appreciate the spring? I love that wisdom because it's about understanding we are a part of this earth cycle and how do we appreciate all of it because it's necessary for life to continue. Here's another one I found. If we had no winter, the spring would not be so pleasant. If we did not sometimes taste of adversity, prosperity would not be so welcome. Mm, I love that as well. The last one, the deep roots never doubt spring will come. Mm, I gotta say that one again. The deep roots never doubt spring will come. In other words, hope is always on the horizon. Light always comes, warmth returns. So the wisdom keepers of poetry and words understand the powerful symbolism hiding inside the spring equinox because that is for you and me. Because we've come to the cycle of the earth's life where the daylight is now going to continue to be longer than the night. Light indeed is overcoming the darkness. We've come through the darkness and we are still here. We are wiser and stronger if we understand that the darkness is not something to endure, but something to understand. To pause and receive its wisdom, this light and dark metaphor, this cocooning that we've done in the winter, in the slumber, and now we are awakening to grow and bloom. Then we return to the darkness to rest. This is seen in the shortest aspect of our lives, which is the 24-hour cycle in a day. The body awakens, we do our work, and then the body must rest. Now, some of us try to push past that, but a body perpetually in motion without rest is not sustainable. But the caffeine industry, especially here in America, certainly understands that the human desire for more energy, more endurance, more productivity, and more vitality to press beyond our limits is something that is, is a very viable market. But is that something that can be endured? So what can we actually learn from the 24-hour seats? Uh, cycle of our lives of the earth but also the wisdom of the earth moving around the sun so for me I take there have been times in my life where I've you know certainly as I've grown older my my body needs to rest more I have to take better care of it and one of the things that I've noticed in particular is I have to have my sleep well for many years now I wake up Oh, awaken sometime, somewhere between 2.30 and 4. And I call this the goddess time. And so that's, that's, I'm, this is not something unusual. A lot of people awaken at that time. And if you're having trouble with your sleep at this time and you have to be, get up at 5 a.m. for work, oh, I hope that you're able to find a sleep cycle and some whatever resources you need to, to be able to sleep during that time. But what I have found is that this is my most sacred time of writing. This is what I call my goddess time because often I will awaken at this time with a story already written in my head. All I have to do is be the conduit to release it into the keyboard, to get it on in, in, into the cloud so it can be offered to you for wisdom. And that's a very far, powerful time. I know I'm not going to sleep unless I get that out. And once I've 
done. I've completed the writing. I can barely keep my eyes open. Now, I'm very fortunate that after I've done that from about 2.30 to 5, and it's not every night, but it, it is quite often, I can go back to sleep for a couple hours. But on the other side of that is I do go to bed really early knowing that there's a really good chance I'm going to get up at 2.30. So I'm telling you this because sometimes we try to force ourselves into patterns that aren't conducive for the way our bodies need us to perform. And most of the time that's coming from a place of, well, I wake up at at 3 a.m. and I can't go back to sleep and now I'm exhausted. Well, what did life look like before you went before you awakened at 3 a.m.? What are you doing to prepare for that sleep? Because there's also wisdom in how we treat the preparing for bed. If we are overstimulating our mind with social media or movies or whatever, that could be one of the reasons that sleep, a deep sleep cycle is not happening. So in other words, friends, I'm just asking you to consider the shortest element of your, of your, of time of awakening, producing, and resting as it mirrors the universal cycle that we see happening all the time in our, in our lives as we travel on this earth during our time on this earth. So if you're awakening refreshed and re-energized and you're refocused and committed, then forget everything I said. But if something I said resonated with you that it is time to look at a, at a change on how you are taking care of yourself, then that is one of the most sacred things that you can do. And the spring equinox is inviting you to reconsider how your body needs rest, how your body needs to be to rest and prepare for the blooming phase, for the harvest phase. It's all part of your own physical needs because this is often called self-care. And sometimes that to me is, can also be very contradictory because you can think of self-care as just being a one-off thing. Like you're gonna go do a spa day or you're gonna go take an afternoon nap. All that's wonderful. But what is our perpetual cycle of self-care that reflects self-love and self-respect that, that moves us into a restorative care pattern? That is more of what is going to ensure that you are not only re honoring your life cycle, but you are doing it in a way that nourishes your mind and your body and your spirit so that you can enjoy life fully. Okay, enough of that soapbox. Let's expand beyond the 24 hours of a day and let's look at a year in our life. So where this is where most of the earth cycle impacts us the greatest. And so oftentimes we'll think of things like we're shocked when we go outside. Let's let's talk about the winter here. We go we, we're shocked when we go outside and we realize it is so cold. Do we not know this every year how cold it is? Isn't our winters always cold? If you live here, especially in the Midwest, it's going to be cold. And we immediately start thinking about the spring. But can we begin to change our mindset to understand that we are being a willing participant? We're actually moving through the winter so that the earth has its time for rest. So that we're not pushing things ahead of us in its place when what it needs right now is what it is getting. Now I'm not talking about 
dismissing the tragedies. Of course, we are in the middle of a pandemic still that has completely impacted our lives. And it's made us even more isolated during the winter months because we have less opportunities of safe gatherings. And I'm also mindful of the tragedy that happened in Texas, where an entire region that's not used to sub-freezing temperatures was so adversely impacted that it could be years before they recover fully from that. So that seasonal pattern of earth that dipped down, that humbled so many people who thought that they had control of their lives when they realized that they didn't, that the power of the earth and its shifting patterns is what controls the majority of what's happening in our in our lives. So back to this this winter that we are still officially in when when even when you will hear this recording, it's the days before the winter, I'm sorry, the spring equinox. So but even now, where we are now in our development and our technology, we are we are still in a very comfortable place. Right now, as I'm recording this, I have a little space heater pointed towards my legs and I have within reach of me a knob where I can actually call for heat and the machine will answer it and bring more heated air into the room. We don't, we often take for granted how much of our life is not impacted by the winter. Yes, it's it's cold when we have to go out and start the car. And yes, it's cold when we have to move from place to place and be out in it, but we really are not impacted at all like our ancestors were. So what exactly are we complaining about? I'm only offering this to you because I also get very cold and I don't spend a lot of time outside, but is it time for us to consider a change in our mindset so that when we go outside, that breath of cold air that hits us reminds us that the warmth will return. But for today, this is what's here and this is what the earth needs. This is not about us. Now, having said that, I also know that there are many people out there who have to be outside for their jobs. And this can be a really rugged time to be outside and, and figuring out ways that you protect your body so that you are not exposed to the elements and that you can be safe during this time. So a lot of us, that we don't even think much of it other than making sure that our windows are closed and that we have somehow insulated our homes. But other than making sure our faucets don't freeze outside, most of us don't even have to think beyond that. So we forget how much the, the cold may be impacting people and we forget and maybe take even our own lives for granted. So I know for my own personal experience in my childhood, my grandfather operated a dairy farm. So this was, I, I loved being a part of his experience. So I often would follow him down into uh, the, the dairy barn where all the cows would have would have come in from the farm willing uh, from the pasture willingly and they would be at the door you let them in you milk them they, and you let them out and I could see the breath their breath because it would be really cold or the snow that would be on their backs so I saw this I witnessed this on a daily basis because the cow the animals won't wait the cows won't wait you the job doesn't wait you have to get out into the cold and be inside it because this is part of your of, of your experience so in i've also seen it from the other side of this in animal rescue where 
for years when I, when I was actively in rescue where we would have so many animals this time of year inside uh, the looking for help because they had had uh, frostbitten paws, their ears were frostbitten because people weren't taking care of them. And maybe perhaps took for granted that animals can survive in in harsher conditions than we can and that's simply not true so many of our domesticated animals are are adversely impacted so please make sure that you're taking care of your animals um, during this time now i know that my experience seeing farm life may not resonate with you because a lot of people didn't grow up didn't grow up in the farms but here's the bridge between our lack of awareness regarding our inconvenience of what what the winter, how winter impacts us on our way to the car or if we have to walk down the sidewalk for a few minutes versus people who li- whose livelihood depends on them being out there versus everybody understanding that winter is a necessity for the earth to sleep so that the bounty, the harvest that will sustain us will return. That it is a small price to pay for what is going to come when we become a willing participant in the earth cycle instead of complaining about it. We are missing the moments that the earth is teaching us about living. These moments teach us the ebb and flow of, of birth, growth, and death. So these moments teach us also that change is constant and loss and sorrow are indeed part of that human experience. Remember what the poem said, if you think that winter is, if you think my winter is too cold, you don't deserve my spring. So in other words, embracing all of what our lives are is how we are, we are able to stay in a state of gratitude. I often see this with people who are experiencing a life crisis. Because these crises, they, they kind of sneak up on us because we think we're in char- we are in charge of the entirety of our lives, and we're not. But we oftentimes, when in business settings or in your family settings or in relationships, we can negotiate, troubleshoot, reschedule, and we can pretty much overtake any challenge until we come up to one that we cannot control. And then we lack the coping mechanisms to deal with that. So that's when I, we would, I would often see people who would be seeking spiritual care because all of a sudden they don't have the tools in their resource bag to deal with the crisis that's in front of them. Some of that crisis originated from this false notion that we aren't impacted by change, that we are in control of everything, when in reality, the changing of the seasons give us the wisdom that we need that the one thing that is constant in our lives is change. So then you see that something like the vernal equinox or the spring equinox is so much more than the first day of spring. It's an imitation to return to the light after we have had a season of rest, a season of healing, a season of grieving, Now that can happen any time in our lives because loss happens throughout the year, but there will always be a season, a journey inward to take care of the sorrow. But eventually life calls us back, back into the light because the light and the warmth, they do return. No, we may never be the same, but we do learn how to return to the living and come back into our lives, even though our heart is still hurting. So on this spring equinox, equinox, as the light 
overtakes the darkness, this is moving us to the longest day of the year of the summer solstice. So we mustn't miss how this is constantly changing. Day after day, we're going to start adding a few minutes of light. We might not be perceptually aware of it, but it is happening all around us. So the busyness is happening over here while the earth is just taking care of the business that's in harmony with us more than we even realize because the earth is not stagnant. Its lifestyle is not, its life cycle is not stagnant. And the 24 hour life cycle, which is us, is not stagnant. Beloved, your life cannot be stagnant. And this is critical to understand after walking through a sorrow of loss or grief or, or a season of change or any kind of personal trauma. Stagnancy means that another level of healing is not happening. The healing that allows you to move gently and gradually back into your life is not occurring. So can you start to accept that gift and move towards the healing? The gift of winter is to remind us that nothing stays the same. The light and the warmth is indeed returning. I hope you start to feel this because your winter may have become an element of your existence that is not part of what you need, what you don't think you need, but it's exactly what you need. So in those winter months, when we feel like we are just insistently and impatiently waiting for spring to return, what you need right now may be exactly what you're getting inside the cold and the longer nights. And we should embrace them because there is nothing we can do to change it. There's nothing in our power that can change how fast spring will return. Now, I started to do some research on some th things that you can do during the time, this time of year that can bring some spiritual symbolism into this so the, to, to expand your spiritual practice around the spring equinox. And it's no coincidence that a lot of traditions, so if you feel the need to start cleaning out closets and, and wiping down windows and brushing out, uh, sweeping out all the corners of your uh, rooms, that is not a coincidence. That's actually deeply ingrained in your DNA, in your ancestral heritage, because that was seen as a way to get rid of the bad energy in the home. So people would just absolutely tear their houses apart, take down curtains, take them out and shake them, take out beds and, and beat them with brooms. They would do it all because it was not just a, a, a ceremonial way to cleanse. It was a physical way as well, but it symbolized that life was returning and you needed to get all the stagnant energy out of the way. Now, we also know that around the spring equinox, around that time, this is also the Christian tradition of Jesus' uh, Jesus' death and resurrection. So we are, we are squarely in the middle of Lent. And by the way, just the one thing that I would observe for Lent, a lot, of, a lot of Christian denominations don't actually observe Lent, and some do. But one of the things that I would caution you on this when you're looking at, if it's something that still resonates with you, just be mindful that what you're giving up should be a reflection of your spiritual growth. So a lot of times people will do something like give up uh, a candy or soda or something like that. That's okay too, because sometimes sugar can have an adverse impact on us, but also that negative connotation towards food can be something that is indoctrinated into your, your well-being that maybe it's time for you to release. So perhaps look at something else that is more adversely impacting you. That's just a side note. But this time of year, it's not just it's not just the Easter season, which was 
which were dates chosen by the church, but there were also a lot of pagan worship at this time. The Greek, the Greek god Attis was also worshipped at this at this time because they, Attis was said to have uh, been born of a virgin as well. There are many virgin birth stories of of gods and goddesses inside inside myths. So that's not a um, coincidence there. But what you'll find is that often the church. We've talked about this before. The church would supplant a a church commemoration or a sacred event over the pagan traditions to divert the people from celebrating in their traditional ways and focus on the church and they would actually and sometimes they would be it would be a mandate that they would celebrate the church event so that's just in that's I'm just throwing that out there so you understand how much was happening around the spring equinox so a lot of uh, world religions, not just Christianity, have traditions ar- around this. So the same thing happens in the Japanese culture, which is which is often around Shintoism, where you have the, the day is called Aus- Ostara, O-S-T-A-R-A, and it's the celebration of new life. So the, to them, ushering in the spring means this is a day that you usher in new life. So there will be a time where people will pause and possibly pray for the crops or p- Uh, pray for the blessings of the year ahead. Around the spring equinox throughout the world, there are places where the equinox is considered the, the new year. I don't know how much it is now, but it used to be the start of the new year. So you can understand how important the spring equinox would have been to people. Now in the Buddhist tradition, people see this as not only symbolic of birth, but also it's linked to death. So, and that's always the the yin and yang, the balance of life is understanding that something that is born will eventually die. So holding on to both of those realities is a very important is a very important thing because it keeps you grounded in the mindset of gratitude. You understand that nothing is permanent. So how do you stay in it in a state of gratitude so you always appreciate that which is in front of you? So I also read about a, a gathering at a farm where the people who work the farm would will gather up on the deck on the equinoxes and will watch the sun rise and watch it go over the sky to sunset because that was very symbolic of them just to be mindful that the sun is passing directly overhead and they get to watch it. How wonderful is that? I love I love that honor. So other people might also, and you might find this kind of morbid, but I want to put it out there because some people will, will do this. In some of their altar work, they might add the bones of a mouse or something like that that they find uh, on the farm and just randomly, not necessarily as a sacrifice. I'm certainly not condoning anything like that. But the, the truth is that animals will not survive all the winter. If it's a specifically hard winter, if they didn't burrow down far enough, then they're not going to survive. So they would take the bones of the all of uh, and place them on the altar as a reminder of birth begets death begets and so on and so on and so on. So I just think that's also can be a way that you honor ancestral heritage when they understood how intricately connected life and death is. So, here you here we sit in 2021. And you're trying to figure out ways than just saying the birth, it's the first of spring, 
thank goodness things are going to start changing because for a lot of us, we also know that don't expect change overnight. Spring often gradually comes. We might have a 50 degree day, then the next day we're gonna have a 25 degree day. We know this whole thing about fall, spring and all these things that happen because it can be very humbling for the first month or so into the spring season. But here are some things you can do on the spring equinox to bring the sacred into your life. And so the first thing I would encourage you to do is maybe just wake up earlier. Wake up early, rec earlier recognizing that the earth has moved into a new season. And how does that reflect in your life? What lessons did you learn in the winter season of your life? What are you hoping to learn during the spring season of your life? What goals can you set? What's inviting you into a new conversation? How, what, what is it about you that you would like to release so that you, that because it no longer serves your highest good, so that you can be a better version of yourself. You can also take a walk and just notice the signs of springs around you. So this would be more of a mindful exercise. Don't plug in your phone and listen to the podcast, even though you could listen to this part of it, I guess. But make this more mindful. You're actually looking at the trees. Are you seeing buds? What about the shrubs? What about the ground? Are, there, are you seeing more animals? How about the bird songs? And make this just an expression gratitude exercise for the signs of the coming spring. Now your family altar, we already talked a little bit about what some of the things that you might place on it. But what, about, what, what memories of your family or people that you don't even know but you know are part of your ancestors? Is there a way that you could create a spring altar that honors them? Maybe you put new flowers on it each week for a while. Or maybe you spend time recognizing that those people are now gone but you are left to carry on a legacy. What is that legacy? What, what, what is arising for you? There's some beautiful things that you can do that you can do there. So you can also just you could also just take some time to meditate and maybe make this part of your journaling practice. What is the wheel of your day? Now by the wheel they talk about the turning of the wheel of the year of the earth's year. So what is the wheel of your day or the wheel of your life? How does it how does it correspond to the the wisdom of the earth's wheel year. Are there ways that you can kind of become aware so that you're working congruently with the wisdom of the earth's wheel? A lot of people will eat a traditional e meal of eggs during this time because eggs symbolize birth. So you could also uh, drink that. So I, I talked about this on uh, my uh, live TikTok this morning where I was drinking bitters. I decided to drink dandelion root tea. I actually like the taste. I like bitters, but a lot of people will, will drink uh, some kind of dandelion or burdock tea during this time because the ancestors believed that you had been sedentary. You weren't working, moving around as much. The whole thing was about holding in the body heat, huddling down during winter. But one of the first things that you can find are dandelions that are out there. Those are the considered the first fruits of the season. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Please don't kill your dandelions. When bees are awakening and all the other bugs and insects and things that we rely on to help perpetuate the harvests and cross-pollinate, the dandelions are one of the first foods that they eat. So they're looking for the dandelions and the clover, which we so heartily try to get out of our yards. And the reason they're there and the reason why they're low to the ground is because they can 
be, they, they, it's safer for them there. They don't have to fly as far to get it. It's right there where they can get it. So I would just encourage you to consider dandelion as one of the first free fruits of the spring and its place in helping perpetuate our life cycle. So but people would dig up those roots and they would make a tea because it's considered a, a, a way to release toxins from the body that has been sedentary during the winter season. So you may not like it, but you might you might like it. Like I said, I like them. Also, dress in pastel colors. We know that flowers will be arriving in pinks and yellows and light blues and some very beautiful lavenders and just beautiful pastels. So if you dress in those pastel colors, it will remind you. It's the energy. There's a lot of people who believe in color therapy and its power to, we know that it certainly has influence on sight. So what does it mean when you wear it? What kind of power can it bring to you? And of course, I, I invite you to take all of this experience and journal it. What has spring meant to you? Here's a couple of questions for you that you could also ask yourself. What has spring meant to you in the past? What did this season of winter teach you? Not, not only in this terms of this year, but even if you think of dark season and your connection to soul work, where are you? on that pattern and think long. Don't just think about the past year because this past year was certainly something for the record books, but think about your last five years, 10 years. See how far you've come. I've often heard it said that we are so hard on ourselves because we consider just little snapshots, a few hours of things where we don't feel like we're getting enough done. But when we look at a week, two weeks, a month, a year, five years, we realize we are making progress. But any adjustments that you need to do, this is a great time to consider what can I do now as the light is returning to to get myself closer to my goals before the summer solstice? So, and then you could just go farther back and, and look at some of these things. Ask yourself a, a question. Look at some of the spring cleaning. Is there a drawer that you just need to clean that you've been avoiding or a room? You can also look at smoke smoke clearing. A lot of people will take smoke. Now, sometimes people will refer to that as as smudging, but the indigenous humans have asked us not to use that word anymore because it can it is considered sacred to them it's part of their sacred ritual so for those of us who are not indigenous humans like we what we call native americans and they now have asked us to call them indigenous humans or by their tribal names because that would be cultural or religious appropriation and we don't want to do that so we can call that smoke clearing and we also shouldn't use white sage because it's very hard to find and white sage specifically specifically is used during the ceremonial work that indigenous humans do. But there's other things that you can do because certainly other traditions and uh, ancestral wisdom and pagan traditions used smoke clearing of some kind in their tradition. So you can use cedar, you can use a different kind of sage, there's desert sage, there's blue sage, there's black sage, you can use all kinds of herbs. Lavender is lovely to, to burn rosemary is as well any one of those in a bundle and you can just smoke them in your home to help clear out the air we know that even scientifically doing that really does have an impact on clearing your air now another thing you can do is go through at even if you want to clear with the smoke or you want to do just go through your room and bless every corner go to every corner of your room and say a blessing and it can be something about i i welcome the experience of winter and now I release that energy and welcome 
the experience of spring. I bless all who will enter my home. May they be safe and healthy. Whatever is right for you, you, I can welcome, I can welcome God. I can welcome the divine into my home. My home is my sacred space. Whatever words work for you, make sure that 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 resonates with you and you bring those blessings into your home, especially at any doorway where people are coming and going. Now, the other thing that I would encourage you to do is think about or read about how the ancient people recognized the power and the wisdom in the earth's wheel cycle. So in uh, an ancient site in uh, a Mayan ancient site, this site was built around 1000 AD. There's during the spring equinox, there's actually a image in the shadows of a snake going up the stairs. And some people say, no, that that's just happenstance. There's no way that that could happen. And other people are saying, oh yeah, they, they, they did it. It's, it's too intentional. And another temple in Malta, and all of this will be in the show notes. So you can go pick this up and you can read more, but this is a wonderful way to understand what, how we revere what is part of creation because we are part of creation the earth is part of creation and all of this is divinely ordered all of this is part of what we consider god made so if that's the case then let's learn about our own history so in malta this was about 3600 bc that this was made and the way the spring equinox sunrise uh, bisects into one of the temples i guess is fascinating i couldn't find a video on it but i did read about it and i'm going to go do my own research during the spring equinox and in cambodia there is another place where a temple that was constructed sometime in the 12th century, the spring equinox will rise directly above a tower. This, this, think about how fascinating this is. They knew this was happening. Now I wanna learn more about this and I didn't have time as I just saw two geese fly over my head, which I think is lovely. Uh, there's a place at the Colorado-Utah border that was built somewhere between 1200 and 13 AD. I know nothing about this, but it housed it housed over 2,500 people and the castle was, they think it was a solar observatory and it's called Hovenweep, H-O-V-E-N-W-E-E-P. Again, the link will be in the show notes, but really? This sounds fascinating. And now it's uh, it's still used by the Pueblo people today. So it's I think it's part of their uh, sacred ancient land and I don't know how accessible it is to other people and maybe it's not and I certainly will honor that but I want to learn more about it. It sounds fascinating. Okay so yes and I mentioned you can take a walk which connecting with nature is a really good thing but also how about farming? We are all just so used to going to the grocery store and getting what we need and loading them up in our cars. But how do you think they got there? So follow farmers and gardeners on your social media site so you can understand what they do to bring the, the food to your table. And I, with all due respect, I'm not talking about Tyson Foods here. Factory farming is one of the most uh, worst abominations of our consciousness. Why or how we are allowing this to happen, where we are in our in our compassion and our enlightenment is beyond me. So when I, I'm thinking of when you're looking at wanting to learn more about uh, farming as far as animals, then I would invite you to look at a sanctuary. There's a couple on TikTok that I follow. One is called 
Inner Light Sanctuary, and the other one is called Useless Farm. She's hilarious. But they both will just give you a beautiful look at the life of animals and the, and the wheel cycle of the earth. Be because I just watched Inner Light take care of his animals through these horrible snowstorms that they had. I believe he's in Idaho. During this, or it might be Iowa, I'm sorry, I can't remember. But how hard it was to keep these animals alive and safe during the winter. It really gives you a good perspective of what it means to, to touch this earth gently. Now I want to remind you, beloveds, that stagnant is not living. How we move our body, how we challenge our mind, what soul work we do, we must embrace the seasons of living and embrace the change. Remember, the birds are not singing for you. You're just observing it because the world will keep on moving whether you're there or not. And that isn't to be morose, that's to move you to a space of gratitude. All right, beloveds, I'm going to close with a quick writing that I wrote. I remember I said something about the goddess time. I wrote this several years ago, but I wrote it on the spring equinox, and it's here for you today, and then we'll close our time together. Look for the flowers. They know. Warmth is returning. Deep below the ice on the surface can't stop that awakening beneath. To them, the snow doesn't matter. The sun beckons them forth. The time to be seen in all their radiant beauty is now. Listen for the birds, they know. Their song is different, melodious. A chorus of, vo of voices each and every morning, even though the thermometer reads freezing. Silly birds, no. Silly us, relying on instruments that were never meant to replace the cues of nature. Feel the wind, it knows. For mixed with the bite of the chill in the morning, there's a hint of warmth that carries life tingling the skin and reminding us that the gift of this spring day is for all of on this side of the equator who have endured a cold long dark winter smell the air it knows the earth turns and the plants begin to awaken release releasing the gift of life they nurtured and stored all winter for just this time promising food for stirring animals who awaken with a renewed hunger and a drive to replenish their species mother earth Moving in harmony with the mystical universal laws is the mirror we are offered this day. Peek into it and see in you the wisdom she holds, the gift she offers, the healing she gives. For even though the cold from our heart still bites our skin and challenges us to begin to move, we are called forth to trust that the healing has begun. Warmth beckons us forward. The light invites us to stand in its brightness, pulling out what remains of the toxic pain we harbor deep inside that only she can touch today. We need no other sign that divine energy surrounds us than to witness its power to awaken what sleeps, feed what hungers, and heal what's broken. If we only pause and receive this magnanimous gift, the cold air may sting as you trust to move forward the light, toward the light, but just as the crocus trusts the timing, so shall we. Now, beloved, take a deep breath and step into the light. Happy spring equinox. Blessed be and amen. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you, and I pray you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. You are seen deeply and unconditionally loved just as you are. Have a great week and have many blessings on your week and happy spring equinox.
Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!